Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, paper magic. Am I right, though? I don't know if you are. I saw your your tweet about it. Am I the only person who just wishes we were playing online this weekend? Uh, I No, I was very glad that it was in paper, like 100% serious. Why? Because I got to hang out with my brothers, which was awesome. Like, if that hadn't happened, my older brother wouldn't have driven down from Indianapolis to play. Like, it was really cool to go to a pre-release with my two older brothers. And if the set had come out online, there just would have been no reason to do that, because I would have already played much more with the cards than they had. There wouldn't be the pre-release excitement. It felt like the old days to me. It was hmm. really, really cool. It was 100% awesome. Well, I'm glad you had a great time. And I'm not saying that, like, I didn't. But I definitely like leading up to it. And even this weekend, I was like, paper magic is slow. <laughs> like, <laughs> it it takes, slow. takes a long time. Like I, I did a four round sealed event this weekend <laughs> and a couple drafts. And I was just like, eh, it's like that's five hours for the sealed event. You know, it's a long time. You get an hour to build, etc. So I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm I guess I'm I'm a true zoomer. But I also didn't have the like camaraderie of going with uh, with my brothers. That does sound pretty fun. For sure, yeah. Well, and my pre-release started with a paper mishap. I had my things in my deck box, and I had some tier two sleeves, and I literally, my deck box was stuck, stuffed full, and I literally could not get my cards out of my deck box. <laughs> oh my God. Like a minute and a half to get my cards out. At one point, I was playing with my older brothers later back at our house, and I was shuffling, and I just biffed one of my shuffles and dropped all of my cards on the floor. Wow. <laughs> so need to get used to the old paper cards again. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, this was definitely good to uh, to dust off the cobwebs before playing in uh, SCG Con Pittsburgh next weekend. Ooh, I'm so jealous. It's going to be so good. It should be good. It should be good. Yeah, it's all up. Side. Either we day two or we biff on day one and get to go to karaoke Saturday night. So win win. Perfect. So we're going to get to talk about our initial impressions here. Um, we obviously don't have as many reps as we would have, you know, if it were released online for the weekend. Um, but we still have some stuff. And I think a lot of good uh, intel. I've been chatting with my two teammates, Strix Familiar and Stunlock, who also did pre-releases this weekend. So, uh, you know, we've got a, a group chat going for the team sealed event next weekend. Um, and so I've got their impressions as well. And I do feel like I got to see a lot of cards in action and, and you know, confirm some of my suspicions or change some of my suspicions as well. So we're going to talk about all of those uh, good new things about Streets of New Capenna on this week's episode. Before we get into that, a few housekeeping things to take care of. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. And now is the time to get in on the Discord. The Discord is the place to be. It's 24-7 limited tech support. It's just a fantastic community of like-minded limited individuals just chatting about all things new set. Ben, have you uh, dove into any sections of the Streets of New Capenna sections of the Discord? I have. The first thing I do almost every morning when I wake up, if I don't have anything pressing when new sets come out like this, is just read everything that everyone has said in the Discord. And honestly, I don't chat that much in the Discord because I'm pretty busy with school and everything. But just reading through it, if you want to lurk and just read the conversations, there are just tons of gems in the Discord. I love it. Yeah, we've got a lot of really devoted, limited minds in the Discord, and they are, they're dropping knowledge bombs there, and you want to get in on that too. And these folks this week that we're going to be shouting out know that this is the time to get in. So this week we are welcoming to the Patreon and the Discord, Zach, Lucas, Molly, Rick, William, Jimmy, Raleigh, Jason, Billy, Silas, Nicholas, Asger, Marcelo, Pips, and James. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. 
Yep, cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball. Channelfireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related, including an upcoming AMA with Reed Duke, which is going to be exclusive to CFB Pro members. So if you're not on CFB Pro, you can get on there for $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. And if you do the latter option, the more expensive option, you get that amount back in store credit to spend on magic cards. And we're all spending money on magic cards anyway. Speaking of spending money on magic cards, Streets of Nucapenna is coming out. So if you're getting any sealed product or any singles for Streets of Nucapenna, Make sure that you use code LOL, all caps, whenever you purchase anything at Channel Fireball so that they know that we sent you over there, and we would really appreciate you doing that. In addition, Command Fest Vegas coming up June 10th through 12th, and personally, I'm not particularly excited for a commander-only event, but it does give me a lot of hope for GP-style limited events returning you know, through Channel Fireball. You know, SCGs are already doing the Team Sealed thing, so I think even though Wizards didn't announce with the return of pro play, like a, a GP circuit, it seems like there is going to be demand for that type of stuff. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, as, as things will ratchet back up, hopefully, I mean, who knows what uh, what life is like these days with, uh, you know, the pandemic ebbing and flowing. But uh, yeah, it's exciting to see something like that on the docket in the next couple months. Boom. All right, uh, let's dive in here. So like I said, I did a sealed event this weekend and a couple drafts with some prize packs. Ben, you did a sealed event yesterday, is that right? I did a sealed event, and then when we got home with all of our set booster prize packs, we opened those and then built you know, the best looking draft decks we could just to try to play with some decks that might look like draft decks and jam some games. So huge shout out to my brothers, Nick and Adam, for testing with me a little bit before the episode today. Yeah, I saw that baller picture of you and your brothers and your Lords of Limited swag holding your like hands of magic cards. You look like a an action Pokemon shot, basically. So good. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I rolled up to my uh, LGS. I had, you know, I'm masked up, but I had my, you know, Lord's Limited baseball tee on and then unrolled my Lord's Limited play mat. And someone was like, you big fan of the show. And I was like, <laughs> I am. The I show. was like, I was like, you could say that. Uh, yeah, I am the show. <laughs> he was like, oh, great, great. Hope I don't get to play against you later. Um, so that was fun. It was fun to get to meet some some folks who are fans of the show um, at the LGS. Did you get recognized by anybody? Uh, I don't know. My first round, my round one opponent, I, I left to go to the bathroom right before round one. And my first round opponent said that he needed a spell pierce to beat me. But I don't know if my brothers told him to say that or not. So I was unclear on whether or not he actually listened to the show or not. That's very, very funny. All right. So let's just get into some some scattered thoughts here, maybe some impressions from sealed and some things that we think uh, that might mean for the draft format as we look towards doing some drafts. You and I will be participating in a hashtag sponsored early access streamer event on Tuesday, which is very exciting. And then the set will go live online on Thursday and we'll be we'll be jamming as much as we possibly can before the episode next week. Um, so the first thing that I noticed is that fixing is a abundant in sealed the fact that you've got the cycle of five duels and five like family fetch lands plus the cycle of triumphs at rare if you know you, you brick on a good rare and sealed but i had 10 non-basics in my sealed pool and i played all 10 of them Ooh, that is nice i had six non-basics i think in my sealed pool that i ended up playing but i agree there was a lot of fixing for sealed and a lot of powerful cards to incentivize you to splash in a slightly slower sealed format it makes me really nervous about how complicated team sealed building is going to be next week. Like if there's that many lands as options, like usually you're like, OK, well, we'll try and build like maybe a streamlined two color deck and then two family decks or like a family deck and then one sort of like control four or five color deck. And I feel like figuring out who gets what lands is going to be tough. 
Yeah, for sure. Could definitely see that. But that's going to be more like building three draft decks, right? I mean, your sealed takeaways from this weekend are not going to be quite useful for that, I don't necessarily think. I agree. Um, Just in in general, I noticed that I had trouble dealing with large threats. In my sealed deck, I did have a lot of interaction. I had Light Em Up, which is the red deal two for two mana that has casualty. There's Ominous Parcel. That's the one mana artifact that can find a land or deal four damage to something. Whack, which is minus four, minus four in black. (laughs) Call in a Professional, which is uh, deal three at Uncommon. But the only thing I had that could deal with something big was Void Rend, which is white, blue, black, can't be countered, destroy target non-land permanent. Like, my opponent lands a girder goons a 4-4 or masked bandit which is the 5-5 vigi menace like those were tough for me to deal with yes i agree i had void ran i also had a murder i had the the four and a white exile something and they make a treasure mm-hmm. and i still very much felt that keyword big was a problem in sealed like i just died to my brothers i lost my brother in round two my oldest brother and he had the four and a green four four that got plus x plus x when it attacked where x was oh, the power wow. of your largest thing and that card is so mopey, but I just couldn't get it off the battlefield. Yeah. You know, it makes me wonder if that three mana one, two black flying death touch common is like actually pretty good because I, I found myself, I had that in the sideboard initially and I was bringing that in a lot because I was like, maybe this, maybe I just need this to trade with a five, five or whatever. Yeah, that checks out. Um, speaking of masked bandit, so that's the cycle of what I'm going to be calling the family fixers, right? So we've got the, we've got the dual lands, we've got the family fetch lands, and then the family fixers are those like sort of overcosted creatures that you can pay to exile, put them under a land and that land can tap for a mana of the family until you then cast that card from exile. I still sort of stand by my opinion that those cards are really clunky, except I would say Masked Bandit has felt really good. So that's the black, red, green, and three. So six mana for five, five Vigilance Menace. A lot of the other ones are like super overcosted. Six mana, five, five Menace Vigilance does not feel overcosted to me. Yeah, I agree. I think Rakish Revelers also, okay, that's the Cabaretti one, the five, three that brings a one, one along with it. I played with Shattered Seraph, which is the Obscura one, the four, four flyer that gains through when it ETBs, and that card is hot garbage. Yeah, yeah, I did not think that card was good yet. Yeah, the, and the, the other ones, the, the broker one, that's the 4-4 the four four that like taps a thing or whatever, basically arrests a thing for a turn. Yeah, not not really liked that cycle. I, st- I still stand by my take, and maybe this was too hot of a take, still stand by my take that Ominous Parcel is better than that cycle. I think so too, as far as fixing you, right? Yes, as far as fixing you, and also as far as like a split card that I'm interested in, right? If we think of Parcel as sometimes it's removal and sometimes it goes and finds land, I'm more interested in that, I think, than exile to turn a land into a fixer before I cast a clunky creature. But I think I think I might uh, put an asterisk by Masked Bandit. I think initially going in, I thought like all five of these were probably created equal, and I don't think that anymore. Yeah, I agree with that. How do you feel about shield counters? Because I have been really impressed by them so far. Yeah, they've been good. And I think they're way better on defense than they are on offense, right? Because you get to choose on defense when and how the shield counter pops, which makes sense, you know, based on how, you know, attacking and blocking works in magic. But I think that's worth noting that they are much better on defense, with the exception of if you start to grow them or there's the broker uncommon that's white, blue, green, that's the two one double strike with a shield counter, you know, things that like have first strike like that. If you get a plus one plus one counter on that, sometimes it can attack. And then, you know, you can't use a citizen to pop the divine shield or something. They're trading for two real cards. I've, I've been very impressed by shield counters. 
Do I need to start a Hearthstone swear jar for you? I didn't say Divine Shield, did I? You 100% did. I have I have proof. <laughs> I have I literally am recording this conversation right now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh yeah, I have been really impressed by it. I'll tell you what, I mean this is a card I want to talk about later, but now's a good time. Wing Shield Agent. If we're talking about cards that like, oh, I didn't feel great attacking. I felt pretty good attacking with this. This is the two in a blue uncommon. It's a 2/3 with a shield counter and when it attacks up to one other target creature gains flying until end of turn. This just like often had attacked, especially because there are so few bodies like this. Like a lot of the bodies are three twos. So you can just safely attack with this, give something else flying. And then what are they going to do? Trade their three two with your shield counter? Like it felt really tough a lot of the time, I think, to not get two for one by the shield counter. Yeah, I agree. They were quite impressive. And if that's the case, do we like Boon of Safety more? That's the single white trick that gives something a shield counter and lets you scry one. I don't know yet. My gut says no, because then that's like the the beauty of the shield counters is that they make your cards two for ones. But this is just a one for one, right? With the shield counter, like it's granting the shield counter. So I don't think Boon of Safety gets better, even if we like the counters. Okay. Similarly, Connive has impressed me. I think it's a super skill testing mechanic, like whether you want to pitch a land versus pitching a spell to get the plus one plus one counter, thinking about like planning ahead to get five different mana values in your yard as like a sub theme of your deck. I have really, really liked Connive. Yeah, I was slightly less impressed with Connive in my personal sealed deck, but I think Mm -hmm. that was more a function of my deck than it was a knock against Kanaib. I just didn't have a lot of the synergies to pull it together, but I agree. It's a super skill testing mechanic. And I think you definitely want fodder like expendable lackeys or things yeah. that you don't mind pitching. Or if you have to pitch stuff, you want ways to recur later in the game, the things that you've pitched. I hadn't really put that together during spoiler season or preview season, whatever you want to call it. That if you're pitching action, then a lot of the raised dead stuff gets better intrinsically because a lot of the knock against those cards is you don't know when good things are going to be in your graveyard to get back and if you have a lot more control over that with connive then you know those raised dead effects are going to be effectively draw twos draws threes whenever you want them to be yeah a note about expendable lackey again a card i want to talk about later but i think now is a good time so this is the blue one mana one one and then uh, from your graveyard as a sorcerer you can exile it for one in a blue to make a fish token that's the one one that can't be blocked um I often like I'll play Expendable Lackey if my opponent drops like a 2-1 or a 3-1 or whatever, but oftentimes I think it's correct to just hold it. If you have a connive deck, I think it's just correct to hold it until you need to play it because having fodder like that to get the plus and plus one counter and not feel like you're down a spell is really important. Yeah, that checks out to me. Talking about more of the mechanics, I've had a hard time evaluating Blitz. What has been your experience with Blitz so far? I haven't played much with or against it yet. I have gotten blitzed a couple times and it felt pretty bad because usually when my opponent was doing that, it was putting me in a really terrible position damage wise with my life total. But earlier Mm -hmm. in the game, I didn't find my opponent's blitzing that much. It was usually later in the game when I was in a tough spot. And I personally have not played with many blitz creatures yet. Unfortunately, I chose Obscura as my pre-release guild. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I get, I've basically, I mean, I think maybe my only experience has been with Girder Goons, which is the five mana four four. When it dies, you make a tapped two two rogue and it has blitz for three and a black. I basically just like never wanted to blitz it out. I don't know. It just felt super weird because I didn't want to lose my four four. 
but then I also did want the card. It was a tough thing. I, I saw someone on Twitter compare Girder Goons Blitzed to Search Party Captain, but like, they were like, but you just get the 2-2 tapped, which I did think was interesting. And I, I kind of feel like I maybe need to frame these cards differently in my head moving forward to try and like think about getting the value. But I, I definitely felt myself like connive feels like a skill testing mechanic that I get. And right now I feel like Blitz is a skill testing mechanic that I don't get yet. Well, and some of that might be that you didn't have body droppers in your sealed decks or your draft decks yeah. or whatever, right? Like once you have the payoffs that care about you sacrificing cards, you're way more interested in blitzing something like Girder Goons as a pseudo search party captain, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and just as a general note so far, it's definitely felt closer to an 18 land format to me so far. Um, obviously, very, very uh, early days here thinking about this. But just the fact that you have the tapped lands that can you can cash in for a card later at common. Um, you've got the Evolving Wilds variants, the family fetchers that like, you know, that's going to thin your deck of lands. So if you're playing a bunch of those, you want to run more lands. And then also there's the Triumphs at rare that can cycle for three. And all of that, I think, adds up to giving you a lot of flexibility with lands that I don't that I guess connive as well as a thing you can do to pitch extra lands like there's there are ways to not flood I think but not a lot of ways to mitigate mana screw yeah no I completely agree with all that and I just saw Numathanami Kenji Igashara tweet that definitely an 18 land format in his experience too because of all those things the fetch lands the sack lands play more lands if you've got ways to turn your lands into cards and thin your deck Limited players hate one thing and it's playing lands. I know that to be true. So don't fall into that trap, folks. All right. What, what else you got? What, what are your thoughts about the format so far? I was thinking way more about while I was playing sealed and then doing these test games with my brothers after the event, just what we might expect the draft format to feel like. It feels awkward doing this episode and not just like being able to say know, what the format right? is, you know, like it feels like we've got now a third episode of speculation, basically. Yes, but I think much more hyper-focused speculation and I feel more confident in the speculation. So I think I played with Obscura and the turning on five mana values in your graveyard for blue-black feels like it's going to be a piece of cake in draft if you build your deck right because my sealed deck could almost do it pretty confidently and that was not even a focused deck. So I think if you're wanting to do that, you need to prioritize the fetch lands so that you get zero mana value in your graveyard or you need to get a lucky hit off of Snooping Newsy. I hadn't really realized that that milled two when it ETB'd or just how impactful that was going to be towards this mm. because most of the time that is two mana values and then if you cast an instant or a sorcery, it, it's pretty easy to set up a situation where you're at four mana values and then your last instant spell can trigger this at instant speed, which is super powerful. And then I haven't actually played with Deal Gone Bad yet, but I can imagine that milling three helping this out a ton. Like I think you're probably actively going to be interested in Deal Gone Bad for blue black. So I think this is going to be fairly easy to do. And the payoffs are so good once you turn this on. You know, the the two blue black three three flying vampire that turns yeah. into a five five is huge and snooping newsy being a three three lifelink for two mana is huge the blue black draw to at instant speed huge i think this is well worth turning on and going to be easy to do and you're going to get very rewarded when you do well and except for the flyer right even the, the blue black uncommon that you're talking about that's the draw two and then you have to discard a card if you don't have the five mana values earlier in the game that also helps turn stuff on right because it itself is is a two mana spell going to the art and then you can pitch something else like as snooping newsy as well helping out I, I had a really interesting spot in one of my games where i had the flyer the the two blue black uncommon three three flyer that gets plus two plus two with five different mana values and i 
could I was like trying to figure out am I should I high roll here cast my deal gone bad and see if I can turn, turn my thing into a 5-5 <laughs> five, five to ambush something um, but I ultimately decided not to do that but like you're definitely going to want to be on the lookout for that kind of blowout deal gone bad I think is better than I gave it credit for last week that's a point for you for sure um, and I think specifically because of it being a way to one for one with shield counter stuff yeah that checks out and I think also this is going to be shocking to you but I also accidentally turned off five mana values a couple times by, you know, exiling your your lackey, maybe. your lackey or whatever. Yeah, like there's just ways to accidentally turn it off. Or, you know, if you have a raised dead card, you can turn it off without noticing. So you just have to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely noticed that. I mean, is again, good to dust off the cobwebs before a, a real event next weekend. Um, I definitely noticed like some arena crutches or some online crutches I had in terms of like, not having that card in my graveyard to know that like, oh, I could exile my Halo Scarab to get a treasure or get my expendable lackey back or whatever, counting up my five mana values over and over again, or knowing how many different colors of creatures I had for my rogues gallery or whatever, you know? Yeah, there was definitely some loose play on my part. My very first game, I just sequenced my lands wrong. Like that would never happen to me online or very rarely. And it was just just paper and a new set, you know? I saw someone, uh, someone's tweet where they had screenshotted all the like family fetch lands and had crossed out the names of the like, you know, Obscura, whatever, Courtyard or wherever they are, Riveteers, <laughs> and just put like Jund, Esper, Naya, so that they, they knew right away what they were. That's funny. So yeah, I, I think Blue Black all told, very impressed. We built some draft skeletons afterwards and jammed some games and the Blue Black skeleton looked very good. Yeah. What about Treasure? Treasure again, we built another shell for treasure after after the draft, and it felt better as a beatdown deck to me, which was very surprising because I was expecting red green to be the base of a multicolor deck. And I certainly think it can do that. But cards like Goldhound, which is the the red one one first strike menace can sack to add a color to your mana pool, like as a treasure token, that plus sticky fingers, which is the red aura that gives something menace. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you get a treasure token. And then if the creature dies, you draw a card. That lets you get out to some super good starts. Jetmere's Fixer, which is the red-green commons 2-2, two, two, and you can pump it for red and a green to give it plus one, plus one. And then if you spent treasure to do that activated ability, it gets a plus one, plus one counter instead. That felt borderline unblockable early in the game. So it really just lets you get out to some super aggressive starts and then either use that treasure to ramp into bigger threats to keep the pressure on or just use your treasure to make your current creatures much more threatening. Uh, I don't know if it's good, but it is a combo that we didn't talk about yet. So there's there's glittering stockpile, which is two and a red for an artifact. It's a mana rock, right? You tap it for a red mana and then put a some sort of storage counter on it, and then you can sack it uh, for the number of storage counters on it to add that much mana of one color to your mana pool. But it itself is a treasure. So that's a repeatable way to pump mana into the Jetmere's Fixer to get counters on it. Ooh, nice. Um, again, don't know if that's good, but that is a thing. Uh, I haven't played with any of that yet, but I did hear from uh, Strix Familiar, who's doing some monster. He's doing five sealed events this weekend, <laughs> one for each family. That he, he said Stimulus Package. That's the two red-green uh, uncommon enchantment. It makes two treasures when it comes into play, and you can sack a treasure to make a 1-1 one, one citizen. Um, he said Stimulus Package was fantastic. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with that. Not Again, not in the sense of you build your whole deck around it, but just as a card that maybe lets you turn extra treasures into 1-1s. One, and certainly then if you have uh, the triggers that care about creatures entering the battlefield at instant speed, that's really powerful to do that stuff at instant speed. All right, where are we at with removal so far in the format? 
it doesn't look great to me at yeah. common, which is partially, I think, in sealed why some of that keyword big stuff felt hard to deal with. But it seems like there's a real yin and yang situation going on. There's strangle, which is the red deal three, which is great at common. Mm-hmm. There's murder, one black, black instant destroy creature. Very good at common. But the rest of the common removal feels kind of rough. I haven't gotten to play with or against run out of town yet, but that seems like it's still going to be good to me. Have you played with that yet? I've played with it. It's it's fine. Like nothing incredible, I would say. Like four mana, one for one removal has not felt insane to me, but is it was definitely playable and good. And then I haven't played with or against deal gone bad yet, but I can also theoretically, especially after playing this blue black without a deal gone bad, would have really wanted a copy or two of that in my blue black deck that we tried out. Yeah, especially if you care about self mill, which I think it's going to be easy for black to care about, like either with some sort of recursion, either with the caring about five mana values. I think deal gone bad is good. Yeah. And basically the rest of the removal is pretty sketchy other than that. Like from white, I was not impressed with either hold your ransom or buy your silence. Hold for ransom is the, the two mana pacifism where your opponent can pay seven to get rid of it and you draw a card. Fire Silence is the four and a white exile thing. Your opponent makes a treasure. Both of those felt very medium. Prize Fight is the only thing green gets at common, which is the one in a green instant speed fight spell. And you make a treasure token. That didn't feel very good at all. So I don't know. It, it felt awkward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially with if, if the creature sizing being a lot of like, again, we said in the crash course, it's, it's high power, lower toughness, right? A, a fight spell is going to be really bad with a, a team or a board full of three twos or whatever right so sometimes you get the big chonkers right you've got a four four or five five and the prize fight is good but yeah i I have not been impressed by that either i would i definitely would agree with that one of the things i was thinking about was is the clunky five mana red deal five gonna be better than we think because of like is that gonna be something where you're like i actually kind of do want one of those in my red decks I could see it. I could also see red decks just being streamlined aggressive enough that they just don't Mm -hmm. care because I think red is looking really aggressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then moving on to our next mechanic in connive. We talked about this in the context of sealed, but just more in draft. I kind of think this might just be more of a good mechanic than a thing you build your whole deck around. Yes, it felt weird in that the blue white payoffs for having counters on cards felt really awkward if you drew them in the wrong order before you had a counter on a creature. So maybe you're just going to really need to prioritize those two white two drops that come into play with a counter or can connive and come into play with a counter. But that wasn't easy to do in sealed without copies of those. So for example, my deck had Celestial Regulator, which is the one blue white two three flyer. When it ETBs, you tap a thing. And if you had a creature with a counter on it, it stays locked down for a turn. That was really awkward because I didn't have a lot of two drops with counters. And then playing it on turn three as just a two three flyer felt fine but not great you know yeah i think that's fair i played against a draft deck that uh had five of those and like great ways to turn it on plus it had the rare giada which is the one in a white two two flying vigilance and then whenever an angel comes into play under your control it gets a plus one plus one counter for each other angel you have well the regulator's an angel and the the three mana (laughs) two one flyer and white that draws a card and gains you life that's an angel um so their deck was like really tough for me i just like couldn't battle against their flyers because everything was like coming into play tapping a thing getting a counter etc um i will say that i was a little it sounds like i'm a little higher on the regulator because i don't think like i don't think it's really that necessary for it to come into play on turn three and tap down a two drop or whatever because your two three flyer likely can 
blank that anyway. And so it's like it's tapped, you know? Um, and I do think then later in the game, it's not going to be hard for you to imagine. You know, I think that's when it really gets its powers when you get to you tap down a big threat or a reach creature or whatever. Um, but I, I like the regulator quite a bit. I agree. I think that connive is just a good hand smoothing mechanic. And I, again, like I said, I think it's going to be really skill testing, much like, you know, if you felt uh, trouble with the modern age and like, ah, I never know what to pitch or whatever, connive <laughs> is going to be another problematic uh, mechanic for you. Yeah, for sure. And then casualty, I have little to no experience with at all. I didn't play against it and we didn't really have enough cards to build a really streamlined deck that cared about casualty or sacrificing or whatever like we didn't have any body droppers to test with yeah i have not seen i've seen one body dropper in play and it was like fine not incredible or anything i got to play with light em up that's the one in a red deal two and it has casualty two that was actually easier to enable than i thought you know you sack your your halo scarab or whatever and you know maybe get a treasure later from it out of exile or, you know, I did have something under Sleep with the Fishes and then got to Casualty it away. But again, I think Casualty does, doesn't feel to me, certainly in Sealed so far, it doesn't feel like, you know, a theme or whatever. It just feels like that's a bonus. You know, you get to do it. You get, you know, if you have the, I forget what it's called, but the Raise Dead, the Tuna Black, Casualty 1, you mill 2 and then return a creature. Saw that. That was very impressive. Uh, let's let's talk about now. Let's talk about one of the cards that you've got here, Rooftop Nuisance. This is 2 and a blue for a sorcery, Casualty 1. Tap target creature, it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Draw a card. We had someone tweet at us that they thought this might be the best blue common. You're pretty high on this right now, right? Yeah, and I've still not played with or against it, honestly. But I think we owe this card an apology for not having it in the top blue commons. I don't know if it's going to be number one, but I didn't internalize that you get a draw two when you casualty this, right? So you get to tap down two things for a whole turn cycle and draw two cards if you have a 1-1 one, one laying around like Expendable Lackey or something. That's going to be very powerful. So I have seen this in play. And I so it, it makes me feel a little better that you haven't seen it in play and you're high on it because <laughs> I'm not that high on it. And here I'm, on, I'm t- I'll tell you why. Okay. The, there is tension between this card is an aggressive card. You can't get, you don't get the full two t- turns tapped like you would if this was instant speed, right? You can't do it on your opponent's begin combat step, and then you lock down those things for two of their attacks, right? It's only one of your opponent's attacks. So it's an aggressive card if you want the full, like, tap two things, draw two cards. But you have to reduce your own board to enable it. And yeah, obviously, there are, like, really good scenarios you can imagine where you're sacking a 1-1 citizen and yada yada. But I definitely did not feel like this was like a brute, like this, my opponent cast this against me with the casualty and I did not feel like, oh no, this is backbreaking because part of the cost of that is they have to remove an attacker. Yeah, that makes sense. I still think it reads very powerfully as, mm-hmm. as two blue draw two, tap two things for a turn cycle. That that feels borderline behold the unspeakable-esque to me. Yeah, but you have to sack a creature. You're just like, you're, I feel like you're glossing over that. Maybe, but assuming you build your draft deck right, you should have creatures to sacrifice, yes? Yeah, I th- sure, sure. Yeah, and I, I forget if I saw this in draft or sealed, um, and that, that could be clouding it, you know, maybe, maybe a lot worse in sealed than it is in draft, but yeah, I do I do think that that casualty one for this full potential, this full behold the unspeakable, if that's what we're going to compare it to. Um, I don't, <laughs> that's I don't know. That's obviously an exaggeration. So let's, let's walk that back, yes. But like, and again, disclaimer, haven't played with the card yet, but I think reads like it's got a lot of potential to me yeah I, i'm still higher on the flyers personally like the three mana two two that can gain lifelink and the four mana two three with connive um than i am on that in terms of we're talking about top blue commons um but but again small sample size so far for sure 
And then lastly, we've got citizen tokens, which did not feel very impressive to me at all in Sealed. Like people just kept chumping large monsters with them that were going to win the game eventually anyway. Just felt like citizens were delaying the inevitable. Yeah, I agree. I I will say one time where I was impressed by the sort of go wide life was against the Cabaretti charm, Um, specifically the plus one plus one and trample to the whole team made it really hard to do like you could breed your opponent for a trick or whatever. Obviously, they're making some attacks that aren't great on, on face value. But it's really hard to play around that mode of the charm. Yeah, that checks out for sure. All right. Talk to me about the big four, Ben. This is my hot take so far for the format. And I really hope I'm wrong about it. But the big four, in my opinion, are Snooping Newsy, Body Dropper, Jetmere's Fixer, and Civil Servant. Those are the common gold cards that are two mana value for each allied colored pair, excluding Celestial Regulator at the, the three mana value. And I really think after playing with some some draft shells that we made, that these cards are going to drive the draft format in a huge way because they're so good on turn two and they do what that color pair wants to do so well. And they feel so much better than a lot of the other commons that I think this m- maybe is going to make this feel more like a guild set with you know exactly five decks. You know, you've got the allied color pair. You're going to be the allied color pair base. And yeah, you're splashing some cards that are three colors from your family, but by and large, your decks are going to feel like guild decks with these cards as two drops at the core. I think that's really true. And I think this is a great point to sort of, or a great spot to talk about something that we got a lot of questions for. People want to know, what do we do drafting a three-color format? This is the first time I'm going to be drafting a three-color format. What am I supposed to do? And this is maybe a cop-out of an answer, but you're not really doing anything different. And I think this is a great way to think about it just as a two color set you really should never be drafting like a white red deck you should never be drafting a blue green deck and then splashing something else right you really want to be at your base one of the allied color pairs so then it's really a guild set so you're one of these five decks and then i think the the sort of differences will come of which of the other off colors are you touching right are you blue black and you're touching white for obscure or touching red for maestros whatever um you know maybe you're going to be heavier into one or heavy on some sort of theme or i don't know whatever splashing a fourth color or fifth color but i think at your core these five colors are where you want to be at in the format yeah for sure and i think these cards existing is going to make this format feel very different from something like Khans of Tarkir, for example, because Khans of Tarkir didn't have aggressively slanted allied color two drops, right? You know, you were morphing and there was much more depth and flexibility about what you're doing. I think these are going to make the format feel a little more on rails and are going to take away from some of the potential sweetness or deepness of the format. And again, I hope I'm wrong about that, but I am got my eye on these cards right now yeah i uh <laughs> i was like yeah this, this format feels fine and someone was like yeah you better like it because we don't get a new set until september i was like a go what um i think that's like not quite true but there's like there's some like weird other sets but i don't know if we're getting like a true blue like adventures in the forgotten realm this summer i think we are right isn't there some Baldur's gate Baldur's something gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 okay there we go there we go all right let's get into some specific cards here we've already talked about expendable lackey and wing shield agent i did want to talk about hypnotic grifter this is single blue for a one two human rogue at uncommon pay three mana to connive I think this is actually pretty darn good. My initial thought about this was, eh, three mana for a looting effect is really expensive. But the fact that this is a one-two body means that it can like 
blank or or brick wall your opponent's one ones. You know, if they're playing their corrupt court officials or their citizen tokens, this can tussle. And even one activation of connive to get a counter on it, then it's a two three and threatens to grow later in the game. Like if you just hold mana up and you've got this and a removal spell or whatever, um, you can make combat kind of awkward for your opponent. So I've liked this card. Put a letter grade on it for me. Uh, B minus. So it pulls you into blue. I think so. All right, cool. I haven't played with or against it yet. I would say, at least right now, I, I mean, I could see Lackey just being more important as fodder, but my gut right now is that this is better than all the blue commons. Okay. Skycrier, up next, that's the one in a white, one one flying lifelink that you can pay three in a white to have you and the opponent each draw a card. One one flying lifelink is still good at two mana. Yeah, we have Healer's Hawk at home, and Healer's Hawk at home is still good as a two-mana 1-1 one, one lifelink flyer. Um, I mean, basically, just ignore the other text. I had this in a draft deck, and in all three matches, I activated it once. Um, it plays really nicely with Backup Agent as the one in a white 1-1 one, one that comes into play and puts a counter on something. So, you know, you have that 1-1 one, one body now on the ground, which is fine because there are two ones and three ones to trade with, and now your Skycrier is really just, like, chunking in for two lifelink a turn. Very, very good. Talk to me about Obscura Ascendancy. This this is an Ethan Sachs build around rare if I've ever it's seen one. So good. I saw it in my first draft and I was like, if not now, then when? So this is white, blue, black for an enchantment rare. Whenever you cast a spell, if its mana value is equal to one plus the number of soul counters on Obscure Ascendancy, put a soul counter on Obscure Ascendancy, then create a 2-2 white spirit creature token with flying. And then as long as there are five or more soul counters on Obscure Ascendancy, spirits you control get plus three, plus three. That text is quite trinkety. But so really what this is, is a three man enchantment. And then when you play a one drop, you get a two, two flyer and then it gets a counter on. Then you play a two drop and you get another two, two flyer and you get a counter on this all the way up the chain. So it's imminent doom. If you ever played with imminent doom from uh, hour of devastation, a really fun build around, very good build around someone in our, uh, in the comments on our um, YouTube set review that I did with Alex on my stream was like, Imminent Doom as a build around, sure, but a good one. I don't. I beat everybody who cast that against me. I was like, well, you never played against <laughs> me with it. That card is nuts. So, and this card is great. There's act. And so the, the key for this and the key for Imminent Doom was you need one drops, right? You need to make sure you can start the chain. And there's a lot of good one drops. I mean, I had four in my deck. I had a Lackey. I had an Ominous Parcel, the one mana artifact. I had Hypnotic Grifter. That's the, the looter we just talked about. And even Broker's Initiate as the single white 04 that has four and a Simic hybrid to uh, become a 5-5 five five until end of turn. I mean, th those are just all fine. I mean, I, Broker's Initiate, I would like to not play, but it seems like it's going to be pretty easy to assemble this. So I'm, I'm here to report it's a very real build around. And I think the presence of Connive makes this even better because it's got that sort of blood aspect to it where you're like, oh, I've played all my one drops. Great. Then discard this, loot this away. For sure. Next up is Echo Inspector. This is the three and a blue, two, three flyer that when it ETBs, you connive and then can potentially turn into a three, four flyer. I think word on the street is that this card has way overperformed and sealed. I had that experience. You did. I saw some people on Twitter definitely chatter in the Lords of Limited Discord about this overperforming. The question is, is that going to carry over to draft? It's tough because I think, again, blue does have a bit of a four drop problem with run out of town being at four mana. There's the uncommon bounce draw card at four mana. So, you know, and if you're pairing it with black, then you've got uh, the deal gone bad as well. So you may be a little glutted here, but I, I think four mana, two, three flyer discard a land like that feels good. So it's effectively draw a card or four mana, three, four flyer has also felt pretty large. So I do think that like both halves of this card are good. I don't know where it's going to like shake out in terms of its spot along the curve. 
for sure. Obscura Charm is up next. I have been pretty unimpressed by this. White, blue, black for an instant. Choose one return target multicolored permanent card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Counter target instant or sorcery spell or destroy target creature or planeswalker with mana value three or less. Found all three of these modes to be kind of medium. Honestly, the one I liked the most was counter target instant or sorcery spell, and I just used it as like a very expensive dive down to protect a good threat that I had. Um, but the fact that it's like super mana intensive and none of the three modes are sort of like all star or just like knock out of the park here. I- I'm not crazy about this card. I liked my copy of Fairmount in Sealed. What were you doing with it? I was doing usually bringing back Snooping Newsy if I was ah, bringing back a creature, which has okay. a 3-3 lifelinker at the time, because then it, it usually triggered two more cards going into the graveyard, plus this was three mana value. So that was pretty reliable as a 3-3 lifelinker, like if I had to trade my Snooping Newsy off early. Removal spell, occasionally. I also, for extra backbreaking mode, I had Broker's Ascendancy in my sealed oh, pool, which God. is the uh, green, white, blue, and at the beginning of your end step, you put a plus one, plus one counter on all of your creatures. Just a completely unreasonable card. This could rebuy that. Uh, if I needed to, because it was three mana value or less. Um, so I did that once and my opponent was off it after that. That's funny. <laughs> and I think just fine as what you described too a counter spell for, you know, cheap interaction. Yeah, sure. Uh, have you had a chance to play with big score yet? This is the three and red instant as an additional cost to cast it, discard a card, and then you draw two cards and create two treasure tokens. I have not. I played against it uh, when I played against my other brother in the <laughs> in the pre-release. We were at Warnies were at the top tables. Wow. And uh, it felt fine. It didn't feel great. I, I would yeah. say underperformed. I would say so too. I had this in a like in my like five color soup sealed deck, and that deck had a good bit of connive. And so I wonder if there was some tension there. Like maybe big score will feel better in Riveteers, where you don't have that much hand smoothing. But I wasn't. I, I was not like feeling like I needed this kind of effect. And I was expecting, especially in sealed, to feel like oh, it's going to be so good. Pitch a land, whatever. Get fixing for my five color stuff. And I just, I just often wanted to affect the board for four mana more. Yeah, that makes sense. How about whack? This is a three and a black sorcery. Target creature gets minus four, minus four until end of turn. Costs three less to cast if it targets a white creature. This card's just good, right? I mean, it's insane if you get a target a white creature and you're never cutting it, right? I don't, I felt kind of clunky to me at four mana. I, I don't know. I, I almost wonder if deal gone bad is better than this. Just because of the mill three and you're going to care about the mill three in blue and blue black decks. And it's an instant. This being sorcery speed felt really bad to me this weekend. Oh, yeah, that checks out for sure. I didn't realize this was sorcery speed. <laughs> I haven't played yeah. with her against it yet. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I heard or obviously heard that it was busted for a single mana, but I did not really like it against non-white decks. Yeah, that makes sense. Sleep of the Fishes is up next. I talked you down on this. Are you back up? I'm back up. I'm back up on this card. So this is two blue blue for the aura enchant creature. Enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. And when this enters the battlefield, you tap enchanted creature and you make a one one blue fish creature token that can't be blocked. Even with casualties and other ways to punish this, like you can blow up non-creature permanents maybe sometimes or whatever. I do think this is pretty good. I think the one one fish feels close enough to a card that this is almost a two for one. And I, I think it, I think it's there again. It's got the four drop problem, but I think this is good. Yeah, we haven't talked about the fish much. The fish felt great to me in Sealed. Totally agree. And I hope they feel as good in draft because they were very impressive in Sealed. Yeah. Goldhound is up next. We talked about this a little bit. This is a real card on offense, certainly as a 1-1 first strike menace, but I think also was impressed with it on defense as a 1-1 first strike with all of the X1s running around. I think this is a real card and maybe not a top red common necessarily, but maybe just on the outside looking in. 
Yeah, uh, when I had a chance to talk to Alex about this in the set review, he was high on this card, and he was like, it just does a lot of, you know, checked off all the little things that it does well, like, like you're talking about. And I was like, you know, that's often an argument I use for, like, my clunky cards. Like, why do I like Lytosinol? <laughs> well, like, you know, it does a lot of these small things well. It's not like it does one thing great, but that that's a really mark. That's a mark of a really good card, I think. So I've got my eye on this as well. Yeah, and we already talked through those two mana allied colored pair gold cards, but again, was insanely impressed with Snooping Newsy, Body Dropper, Jetmere's Fixer, and Civil Servant. As far as mana fixing goes, I think the family fetches, as you called them, certainly lived up to the hype. I thought those were better than the allied color pair duels that could sack themselves. I agree with that, but I'm taking both pretty darn high in draft, like just below the top commons of each color i would say um and like i'm not super worried about where they line up because they're almost always going to be good for you yes i agree and i when you say just below the top common you're talking about like just below the number one common i think yeah, right? yeah. And I'm, not, I'm not i'm not talking about 15 cards yeah i'm talking about just below like one and maybe not even one like if a color doesn't have something insane but i would say probably all except for maybe maybe lackey doesn't quite get there but yeah i'm they're just just below like the the top three four five commons yeah that's what i think as well psychic pickpocket up next this is four and a blue for the three two and when etbs you connive and then when it connives this way you return a creature to its owner's hand so mana war at five mana here but i was a little underwhelmed playing with it i know you played with it also so curious on your take but i thought both the three two and the four three body were pretty awkward on both offense and defense i liked it i didn't find it (laughs) underwhelming i i liked this card personally but i do wonder just in a general sense like if mana wars aren't that good anymore because of how many etbs there are like this was one of the reasons why it wasn't so good in uh, Kamigawa. It was just like, you're like, what am I bouncing? Everything does something when it comes into play. And that's sort of how I felt with the pickpocket a little bit. I was like, it was less about like, ooh, I get to bounce this big thing. It was just like, which do you, which thing do you have that doesn't have text on it? Like, I'm just using this as that sort of tempo play. Rogue's Gallery up next. I haven't played with or against this yet. That's the two and a black sorcery uh, return a creature of each color, like from your graveyard to your hand. I've heard really good things about this from the Lords of Limited Discord when I was reading about everybody's sealed pools this morning. And it makes a lot of sense in tandem with connive that mm-hmm. you're just going to reliably be able to get three things of your three colors with Rogue's Gallery pretty much whenever you want in the game and feel much better about pitching action early in the game to your connive cards when you know you've got rogues gallery or two running around yep exactly i i I had a chance to play with it and i liked that card quite a bit cleanup crew so glad this card is overperforming this is 4gg for a 6-6 when etbs you gain four or blow up an artifact or an enchantment this card is just a house first draft of the format here was my choice pack one pick one best cards in the pack were cleanup crew versus jewel thief which is the common green three drop three mana three three vigilance trample make a treasure Whew, i think you take cleanup crew i that's what i took too but i i don't know if that's right because subsequently i felt i was like i wonder if like single green versus double green is that big of a difference because there is a difference of so sure if you're base green right if you're pairing green red or green white then you don't care but then the fact that if you're riveteers right if you're black red green and you're in the black red base, you can still play Jewel Thief, whereas you can't really play Cleanup Crew. So I that, that was my one thought was like, I wonder if the single pip really does matter. I liked Cleanup Crew a lot <laughs> when I saw it on the battlefield. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's, I mean, it does so much and keyword huge. And lastly, a card that I was pretty 
down on until I was just staring at it on the other side of the battlefield. You know, you just have that thing. And it's yeah. so weird that you can't do that until it happens. I don't know. I know. Like, it feels like you should be able to picture what it's like on the other side of the battlefield when you're trying to evaluate the card. But Discipline Duelist, that's the, the blue, white, green, 2-1 Divine Shield double strike was really impressive. Like my opponent played that and I was like, it was my brother, we were testing. And I was like, oh, that's really good. Like way better than I thought it was, you know? And especially once you get a plus one, plus one counter on it, which is not that hard to do in those colors. I have some bad news for you, Ben. What's that? You said divine shield again. <sighs> Dang it. All right, so uh, folks, Can I need we just you to make an amendment. That I need you to, to let me know which charity you would like Ben to donate money <laughs> no. to from this full uh, Hearthstone swear jar. Um, so we're not going to re-rank the top commons this week. I think we'll wait till we get some more reps with them. But anything, any maybe like this is out, this is in, sort of thing. You know, we already sort of alluded to you owe a rooftop nuisance an apology for being left out of the top blue commons. I'm maybe not quite there yet. Anything else that you sort of feel like we we missed on? or you want to amend? I think the biggest miss is that we need to apologize to Blue. I don't think its commons are as bad as we made it out to be in the crash course and maybe even are better than just okay. I think Rooftop Nuisance certainly could move into the top commons. Echo Inspector, that's the 2-3 flyer, seems like it could be moving into the top commons when it connives. Black, not much movers for me. Red, I think you are very right about Mayhem Patrol. We haven't talked about that much yet this episode. That's the one in a red, one, two with Menace. Whenever it attacks, target creature gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn, and you blitz it for one in a red. That card is just excellent. Yeah, yeah. I've not gotten to play with that myself, but have been impressed by it on the other side. And Exhibition Magician, I think, is just below that. And then I haven't played with Plasma Jockey yet, but I think that is probably out for me. Really mm -hmm. impressed by Goldhound. And honestly, I'm kind of wondering about green. If green no. is where, like, it's really hard to find a third best green common. I was pretty underwhelmed by the one four that taps to make a treasure. So green has a lot of work to do. It doesn't get a good removal spell at common. Falls off pretty drastically after Jewel Thief, I think. I agree. I even think that Warm Welcome may not be as busto as we thought. I do think there's some tension um, with, I was sort of realizing this as I was doing the set review with Alex of like, there's a tension in green decks with cards that care about finding creatures and cards that aren't creatures. Like the more warm welcomes you put in your deck, the less creatures you're going to have, right? Um, yes. So th there are diminishing returns on that card. And I, it's not coming to me immediately, but I feel like there's some other effects like that or that care about creatures existing but aren't creatures themselves um so i think warm welcome might be a little less good than we were hyping up yeah and i think as far as top comments too my other take or my other big change would be i think the the top top comment of each color is pretty good and blue might even be deeper than most of the other colors red certainly pretty deep but i think those those allied color two drop gold commons are gonna be like driving the format i think and again hard to say without having drafted a ton but that's my take for the moment yeah i think so well, so are you taking those before you're taking lands do you think yes okay cool i think so i, I have not been not been faced with that decision yet i don't think um but i'm gonna keep an eye on those for sure and then like things like inspiring overseer are just like way above everything that card is lol like, yeah what is going I mean, on with that card i don't think that card is like it's not organ hoarder levels of offensive to me yet maybe i will feel that way once i'm like four weeks deep but i have not felt i'm just like okay there that's your two for one and i've got other two for ones and whatever oh it felt 
absurd to me playing with and against it in sealed really okay yeah okay. <laughs> it's just egregious <laughs> wow all right yeah i did not find i i found like i also i found jewel thief to be kind of egregious too i was just like this has vigilance and it's a three three in a format of like two ones i don't know yeah, yeah. I, and yeah so the, i agree the top common i think maybe save for uh save for red and blue i definitely think like overseer corrupt court official and jewel thief are all really good well, and Strangle, too, I think, is mm-hmm. far and away number one. Red to deal three to something is just such a tempo play. Yeah. All right. You want to take a look at, I mean, we don't have a, an actual factual draft log from either of us, but, you know, 17lands.com has some mock drafts. And I think going a few picks deep with some bots won't hurt us and give us a chance to, to chat about some cards. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. So pack one, pick one. See the following cards as options in terms of our current top common rankings well we've got a red green uh tap land in racer's ring this is the draw land um there's rafine's informant one and a white for the two one when it etbs you connive there's deal gone bad the four mana minus three minus three target player mills three and then moving on to the uncommons there's scuttling butler it's a three mana four one construct at the beginning of combat on your turn if you control two or more multicolored permanents it gains double strike until end of turn i could definitely see this if you're like loading up on those two drop gold cards i could see this being a real problem yes i agree uh riveteer's charm is next this is black red green for an instant choose one target opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker they control with the highest mana value among creatures and planeswalkers they control Exile the top three cards of your library until your next end step. You may play those cards or exile target player's graveyard. And our rare is Gallagreeders. One on a green for a 1-1 elf druid with alliance. Choose one that hasn't been chosen this turn. Put a plus one plus one counter on Gallagreeders. Create a tapped treasure token or you gain two life. Yeah, this card is just very good. This is kind yeah. of an underpowered pack, I think. So I think so, yeah. I think Gallagreeders pretty clear choice for me if you put it up against something like inspiring overseer i think you're on inspiring overseer oh i think this is better than that i don't (laughs) for whatever that's worth (laughs) that's fair i mean this uh, this i think the ceiling of this card is really high this on this on turn two is gonna take over the game yeah i mean i saw my brother play with this card a lot it was very good it was not as good as i thought inspiring overseer was but again way too early to be having an argument over something like this <laughs> but that's what the people want that is they want the takes so yeah, yeah i think gala greeters out of this pack pack one pick one yeah i think so too if it weren't here would you i guess i'd just take the riveteers charm because it's like a high ceiling i don't feel i don't really want to take like deal gone bad or rafine's informant i over like I'll just take Riveteers Charm and try and high roll. And like, if Riveteers is open, great. And if not, I'll move off of it. I honestly think I might take Racer's Ring, which is the red-green ally oh, okay. duel over Riveteers yeah. Charm if Gala yeah. Breeders weren't in the pack. That seems like a totally fair take for sure. All right, pack one, pick two. See the following cards as options. We have Obscura Storefront. This is the family fetch that finds a plains, island, or swamp and gains you a life. There's Obscura Initiate, two and a blue for a 2-2 Flying Bird Citizen, and has one and a white-black hybrid to gain lifelink until end of turn. Have you played with Join the Maestros yet or played against it? This is four and a black sorcery, casualty two, make a 4-3 black ogre warrior creature token. I have not, but I saw some scuttle in the Lords of Limited Discord about people liking this, especially curving girder goons blitzed into join the maestros uh, oh so sack the tutu rogue the next turn for yes yeah. okay nice i like that i like that 
Um, not really much else in terms of commons. There's a rare missing in the pack, so we don't have a lot of options. I guess if we wanted to take a green card, we could take Civic Gardener, one on a green 2-2, when it attacks on tap target creature or land. That's not very good. Um, best uncommon is probably Tainted Indulgence. Blue, black for an instant, draw two cards, then discard a card unless there are five or more mana values among cards in your graveyard. Pretty weak follow-up pack here. Yeah, super weak follow-up pack here. There's no cards I'm really interested in this early in the draft other than Obscura Storefront, which is weird, right? Like if you haven't played a multicolored set like this, you know, you have Gala Greeters and then you're picking a land that is white, blue, black, but that can still help you with Gala Greeters because you could be brokers, you could be white, blue, green, or you mm-hmm. just have no idea where the draft is going to go from here. So picking these lands early, especially out of a weak pack like this, like I'm thrilled to take Obscura Storefront here. Guilt-free, family fetch, sign me up. Guilt-free family fetch. I don't know what that sounds like some sort of, I don't know, a tagline for some advertisement. I love it. Um, <laughs> yes, I agree. I would take storefront here. I don't know about like thrilled, but but certainly guilt-free. I like that. Pack one, pick three. Here we got a lot more options for sure. There's a Riveteer's Overlook. This is the Riveteer family fetch. Finds a swamp, mountain, or forest. Gains you a life. I guess there's Social Climber as a green follow-up. Two and a green for the 3-2 with Alliance. You gain a life. There's Mayhem Patrol, one on a red, one, two with Menace. When it attacks, target creature gets plus one, plus oh until end of turn. And it has Blitz for one in a red. Ooh, we haven't talked about this. Gathering Throng, two in a white, three, one. When it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for any number of cards named Gathering Throng. Reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle. I played against a draft opponent who had four of these. And did it live up to the hype? It did until I cast Night Clubber against them. Ooh. <laughs> That card's so broken. <laughs> yeah, Night Clubber is really brutal. Uh, there are some really good blue cards here. We've got Echo Inspector, 4 mana, 2, 3, Flyer, ETBs at Knives. There's Wing Shield Agent, 2 in a blue, 2, 3, comes in with a shield counter when it attacks up to one other target creature gains flying until end of turn. And there's also a little chat, 1 on a blue instant, Casualty 1, look at the top two cards of your library, put one into your hand and the other on the bottom. What about our rare here? Our rare is, oh, you love these cards. Uh, our rare is wiretapping, four and a blue enchantment with hideaway five. Uh, whenever you draw your first card during each of your draw steps, draw a card. Then if you have nine or more cards in hand, you may play the exiled card without paying its mana cost. That's never going to happen. So this is just a five mana enchantment that draws you an additional card every turn. Yeah, I like wiretapping a lot here. I think... For me, it comes down to wing shield agent versus wiretapping. I don't think any of the commons are quite good enough. I agree. I think I would land on wiretapping over wing shield agent as a higher upside card, but I don't know if that's right or not. Could be totally wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I played against wiretapping in sealed and it was good. I, I want these effects are generally better in sealed or better in like team draft where you have a lower powered decks i wonder about this in draft like i wasn't a huge fan like the, what was it called curse of surveillance yes the best i ever saw that card was in our team draft in your yes. in your team draft deck that was the best that card has ever been in my opinion generally it feels like five mana divination and if it's like longer than that sure it's going to run away with the game but it often isn't that i think yeah that's fair i could certainly see wing shield agent being the right pick here is there mm-hmm. any thought i see that's what you selected is there any thought that there's tension in starting out with a blue card and a green card as an enemy colored pair for you i'm just not thinking about it yet right and, and i think that's sort of a helpful question to ask yourself and also a helpful thing for our listeners i think it is really easy even in just like regular draft formats to get locked in 
you're like, all right, I got a green card and two blue cards. I'm green blue. So I'm not thinking about that at all. And honestly, hoping to not lock in. Sure, if I end up in brokers, great. Then I get to play all these cards. But I just want to take, unless I'm seeing something like that's flat or like tiebreakers or I've got some bomb to hold on to, I'm just happy to take the best card out of each pack here for now. Right. Let's say it's something like, again, I'm going to go back to Inspiring Overseer, the the 2-1 when ETBs gain a life draw card. Yeah. Where are you at on Wing Shield Agent versus Inspiring Overseer? Inspiring Overseer is probably a little better, right? So that's a bad probably example. Just, well, yeah. So I mean, I think I think it's a fine example just to to talk about because I see what you're you're saying here. So let's say I do think Inspiring Overseer is better. But let's say I thought Wing Shield Agent was slightly better than Overseer. I think then you might make the tie-breaking pick of, sure, Agent's a little better, but... I take Overseer, I'm not taking a huge hit in power level, and I keep myself open to either Cabaretti or Brokers by being white-green right now. Right, so you're going to have to maybe think about that as a tiebreaker early on in the draft, but again, too early without having drafted enough to tell what's right in those scenarios, but I think Mm -hmm. just as far as where your head should be during the draft, those are the kinds of things you want to be thinking about. Like Mayhem Patrol, I'm looking at that here. I think that's a worse card than Wing Shield Agent, and if, for example, Mayhem Patrol were white and it it were an allied color pair, like you might think about taking that over Mm -hmm. Wing Shield Agent to get in an allied color pair, even though that isn't actually an allied color pair, you know? Yeah, but red-green is an allied color pair. You don't even have to change the color of the oh, card, Oh, you don't right? even have to change the color, <laughs> right? It is an allied color pair, right? Because then you get Cabaretti or uh, Riveteers. Yeah. So, and I, But I think, like, for that example, I feel like that's too big of a hit in power. Like, I think Wing Shield Agent is enough better than Mayhem Patrol that I'm fine to just, like, spec on the blue card here. And maybe I don't end up playing the Gallagreeters, or maybe I do. No big deal. Sure. Uh, let's do one more pick. We can do pack one, pick four. Um, we've got... I think some interesting cards here. We haven't talked about Kill Shot yet. Two and a white instant destroy target attacking creature. This, I think, was actually pretty good in sealed. I, I'm still skeptical about where it'll be at in draft. Yeah, I think it's going to be totally replaceable in draft. Just a super solid C. Yeah. Uh, Girder Goons, four and a black, four, four. When it dies, you create a tapped two, two black rogue creature token and has blitz for three and a black. Uh, there's also Corrupt Court Official, one and a black, one, one. When an ETB is target opponent, discards a card. I do think I have this at number one as well over Murder. It's very good. Yeah, I was impressed. And single black, I think, really pushes it over the edge. The fact that like you can be base white blue and still be fine playing this because it's a two drop that like you are OK to play on like turn six or whatever, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's Body Dropper, Black Red 2-2. Two, two. Whenever you sacrifice another creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on Body Dropper. And you can pay Black Red to sack another creature to have a gain menace until end of turn. And not much else, I would say. There's Fatal Grudge at Uncommon, but I think Body Dropper is just better than that. And the rare here, Cut of the Profits, is a dud. This was my, I picked uh, picked Maestros for my sealed. This was my my seeded pack rare. What a, what a dud. Cut Yikes. the Profits is uh, X black black for a sorcery. You draw X cards and you lose X life and it has casualty three. Uh, woof, this card's terrible. Yeah, not great. So I think you're deciding between Body Dropper and Corrupt Court Official. I think Body Dropper is a better card. But corrupt court officials a lot more flexible, and then certainly you could you could corrupt court official and wing shield agent, abandon gala greeters, and go base blue black. Mm-hmm. So I think there's just a lot of things you can do here. And while while body dropper is a better card, I think the options that corrupt court official affords you, while still being close in power level, or maybe even better, who knows as the format shakes out. But that's just kind of mentally where I have them ranked at the moment. Yeah. I think I want corrupt court official. Yeah. And like you could look at the start and be like, you have a green two drop, a blue card, a black two drop, and then a white blue black land. This is a mess. 
But I feel great about this start. I have like three good cards and a good piece of fixing and can just be open to what comes my way. Yes. And I think this is very much going to be a reading the draft style format than it is going to be a carve your lane out draft format. Well, that's often how we feel about guild sets, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. You're trying to find the open guild or the open family, as it were here. Right. Yeah. I mean, unless unless you're in something, I mean, I don't know yet. Everything seems viable so far. You know, we might get feel like we're in Strixhaven territory where like you just don't want to be red, white, or you don't want to be black, green or whatever. Um, So there may be base two colors that you want to try and avoid, but I don't feel that way yet. Yeah. It's way too early to feel that way without having done more drafts. Next, next week, we'll be telling you which family is terrible. Yeah, next week we'll have the <laughs> format solved for sure. <laughs> all right. And on that note, any last takes before we go here? No, nah, I'm all taked out. All taked out as well. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. Be sure to head on over to those on Tuesday for the early access event. You can check us out on Twitter under those same usernames and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. 